0: It is Kyle Krabs, host of Fin It to Win It, lead editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com. And we're going to wind back the clock today on Fin It to Win It. This is a fun exercise, right? It's it's the middle of June. The team just wrapped up mini camps at the end of last week. They are off until training camp. We do have a few noteworthy items to talk about at the top of the show. But today, the heart of today's show is going to be dedicated to looking at the eight best games that the Miami Dolphins fans have experienced over the course of the last five years. This was an interesting list. Uh, I had to whittle down three or four games off this list, really, when I went back through the schedule and earmarked games for this process. Uh, I settled on about 12 and and settled on eight as a good number uh, because they were all special games uh, for... Special reasons, the circumstances behind them, the way that the game's played out. Uh, But before we get into breaking down that schedule, I have a note of news. I have an opinion, and then we're going to get rolling. Uh, The Dolphins, it has been announced uh, that the Dolphins are, in fact, going to be having two joint practices ahead of their second preseason game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in Tampa With Tampa Bay. So, this is something that had been teased for uh, approximately uh, two months, perhaps. And we finally get around and we get the news that, yes, indeed, uh, the Dolphins are going to be having joint practices in Tampa on August 13th and 14th. Um, both of those practices are going to be free and open to the public. So Dolphins fans that are in the Tampa area, Dolphins fans that are interested in you know, maybe get looking to get a little sun and travel to sunny Florida this time of year, uh, August 13th, 14th, go ahead and earmark those, both of those practices, joint practices, will be open to the public. So that is a little bit of exciting news. And I have an opinion. I think the Dolphins need to take another page out of the playbook of the New England Patriots. The Patriots, uh, as far as the team building is concerned, you know the, the rosters that that each team has is obviously very different, and there are components of, in New England that you just simply cannot replicate. So don't try to, as far as calling plays and your offensive philosophy, but building a roster. You've seen the Dolphins adopt compensatory picks are a point of emphasis. Uh, wanting more draft capital, being willing to trade back uh, on the on the draft board if it means allocating more draft capital. But as far as building a roster, one thing that the Patriots do do is they trade for players that are on expiring contracts. You think about Trent Brown, right? The offensive tackle. Uh, he's since going to the Oakland Raiders. The New England Patriots traded for Trent Brown last offseason got a very high level of play at left tackle, and then proceeded to let him walk and got a third-round compensatory pick for a record-setting contract that the Oakland Raiders gave him. I think about some players that might be available, and there's one that I think makes a ton of sense for the Dolphins. Why? Because he's young, he's productive, he's at a position of need, he's in a contract year, and then the Dolphins can have the flexibility to either extend him which they showed with the Trey Flowers contract proposals that they were putting together, they are willing to uh, pay premium dollars for good talents. Or if he's too rich for you, you can subsequently let him walk and collect what will undoubtedly be a third round compensatory pick. So maybe you end up trading a two for this player, but you get a three back. So you'll trade back 30 spots in the draft and get a year of, high quality play at a position of need and I'm talking about Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end Yannick Ngakwe uh, who was a third round pick out of the University of Maryland uh, kind of cut from the same cloth as Cam Wake I don't want to call him Cam Wake but I will say Ngakwe has more combined sacks and quarterback hits than any player in the NFL in the past three years Ngakwe's entering his fourth year in the NFL he's played three seasons he is just short of 30 sacks in his career, very high pressure rate. He's owed just over $2 million in base salary, and he is holding out from the Jacksonville Jaguars until his contract situation is resolved. Why would the Jaguars possibly trade him? Well, because his market value is going to be somewhere between $15 and $17 million per year for a premier pass rusher. The Jaguars have less than $10 million in cap space. The Jaguars still need to extend Jalen Ramsey. And the Jaguars have a ton of big money contracts, including the one that they just gave Nick Foles. It's a numbers game. And the fact that the Jaguars, the past two years in the first round of the NFL draft, have taken defensive linemen, Taven Bryan from University of Florida in 2018, and Josh Allen with a top 10 pick in 2019, tell you they may be conceding there's going to be some turnover along the defensive line. So the Jaguars have a choice to make themselves. They're going to either have to create the cash and the space to do it. They can force Ngakwe's hand, let him sit out training camp, assume he's going to come back and play the last year on his rookie deal, probably not have the room to sign him to a franchise tag tender because of the salary cap situation, let him walk and get a third round pick, or they can trade him right now and they can get a two and they could potentially get a safety to help them in the back end with Rashad Jones. If the dolphins offered a two and Rashad Jones to the Jacksonville Jaguars, would it get the job done? I don't know. I can't say that with any certainty, whether it can or not, but I could sit here and speculate that it at least might make the Jaguars perk their ears up and pick up the phone and call us back. And make a counter-offer? What you can't do is you can't compare an Ngakwe trade market versus the trade market of a Frank Clark. Frank Clark is 20 pounds heavier than Yannick Ngakwe. He's a much more every-down type of player, much more uh, diverse player than Ngakwe As He commanded a first-round pick uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, a, t- a second-round pick next year in 2020, and the team's flip third-round picks. That's not going to be the market for a guy like Ngakwe. How about uh, the, the trade market for D Ford, though, who was on the franchise tag from the Kansas City Chiefs, traded to the San Francisco 49ers for a second round pick. And the Dolphins have two second round picks next year. Courtesy of the trade back that resulted in the trade for Josh Rosen this year from 48 to 62. They traded uh, when they traded back from 48 to 62, they got an extra 2020 second round pick. They could take that pick, which it's from the Saints. It's going to be in the late 50s at the absolute best, if not in the 60s. It's going to be a late pick. And then you can offer Rashad Jones on top of that, a player that is immediately going to help them get better. They signed Nick Foles, who's not young, to a big money contract over the next three or four years with the intent of competing right now. This team's content on competing right now. It's a win for Rashad. It's a win for the Jaguars. The Jaguars get a greater return back. Than what they get if they let him walk in free agency, they get a, a better pick by some 30 odd spots. The Dolphins still have a second round pick entering the 2020 NFL draft. And it's a page out of the New England Patriots playbook immediately addressing the greatest position of need on this roster, which is the outside pass rush. It makes a sense, it makes sense from a lot of different angles. Will it happen? I doubt it. But the Dolphins should call. There's no question in my mind they should definitely call and inquire about Yannick Ngakwe, who has announced that he is, he is sitting out um, minicamp, and he's not going to be participating in the offseason conditioning or activities or workouts until the Jaguars resolve his contract. Um, as I said, the, the highest pressure rate as far as combined quarterback hits and sacks of any player in the NFL in the last three years since he entered the NFL uh, in 2016. Before we get into the best eight games the Dolphins have played in the last five years, I do want to talk to you guys about our sponsors for today's show? We have two. First, I want to talk to you guys about ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. And that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. Whether you're selling on Amazon, Etsy, or on your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, FinIt to WinIt listeners can chi- try ShipStation free for sixty days when you use the promo code Blue. There's absolutely zero risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx. UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer alike. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's B-L-U-E, blue at ShipStation.com. Make ship app. And of course, our other loyal Sponsor for today's show is Harry's. We've got a special announcement to make. We are continuing to team with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set that includes a five-blade razor, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire all of Harry's blades. Come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you do not love your shave, let them know and they will give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your Razor for just $3. Let's wind back the clock, shall we? Let's talk about the eight greatest games the Miami Dolphins have played over the last five years, going all the way back to 2014. Our first game, number eight on this list actually took place on October 23rd, 2016. It was a part of that magical run that the Dolphins had, in which they started the season terribly, 0-2. Then they needed an overtime win against the Cleveland Browns, the lowly Cleveland Browns, to get a win on the board. And then they lost their next two. They were sitting at 1-4, ultimately finishing the season 10-6, making the playoffs, for the first time since 2008, and eight years, they didn't do anything when they got there. But you know, Ryan Tannehill was hurt, so uh, Matt Moore captured the magic a little bit. But Ryan Tannehill was still in the picture for this game against Rex Ryan's four and two Buffalo Bills at the point. At this point, the Dolphins were two and four entering this game, and they won this football game by a score of 28 to 25. They needed 14 fourth quarter points to finish a comeback in which they were down uh, with 21 minutes left in the football game. The dolphins were down 17 to six. J. Jai is a four yard touchdown run with just seconds left in the third quarter. Damien Williams has a 12-yard touchdown run with four minutes left in the game to take a 21-17 lead. The Dolphins get the ball back in no less than a minute and a half, and Ryan Tannehill hits Kenny Stills for a 66-yard touchdown pass. So three touchdowns in the final 16 minutes of regulation to go from losing 17 to 16. To winning the game by a final score of 28 25. The Bills got a garbage time touchdown from Reggie Bush with just seconds left in the football game. <laughs> this game was in Miami. One o'clock kick, 65,000 people in attendance, and this really kick started the run that the Dolphins went on. You, know, you, you lose this game, you go to 2 and 5, it's over, man. It's over. But the Dolphins really buckled down. They showed a lot of grit. Love that word, grit. Such a stereotypical like football guy term. A lot of grit. Uh, coming back from a, a game in which they d- physically dominated the Buffalo Bills. Bills had 267 yards. The Miami Dolphins had 450, or 454 yards. Uh, 256 yards on the ground. For the Miami Dolphins. This was a, a big time game from Jay Ajayi. 214 rushing yards on 28 attempts. They physically dominated the Buffalo Bills, which is not something that the Dolphins can really hang their hat on uh, very much over the course of the past decade. They, they do not push around the Bills. But in this game, they did. And the fact that they scored three touchdowns in the final 16 minutes. To really kickstart the run that sent them to 10-6 and six makes this a very, very memorable football game. I had the pleasure of being in attendance at the next game, coming in at number 7 on this list. Uh, it was an ugly game. It was November 15, 2015. The Dolphins traveled north to face Sam Bradford's Philadelphia Eagles. And the Dolphins would end up winning this football game and moving to four and five by a final score of 20-19. But the things that you need to know about this football game is the Eagles had 30 first downs and the Dolphins had 15. The Eagles won the time of possession, they had less penalties, they had better third-down conversion rate. The Dolphins were just five of thirteen on third down. But yet the Dolphins managed to win a football game that they came out the gates and were losing by thirteen points, sixteen to three at the end of the first quarter. Again, overcoming odds, which when you're the Dolphins, it's a pretty consistent theme. This was Dan Campbell's Miami Dolphins at this point, November of 2015. Uh, Eagles jumped on top real quick. Uh, Dolphins could not cover tight ends. I'm sure that sounds very familiar for any Dolphin fan listening. Uh, Brent Selick had four catches for 134 yards in this football game. Zach Ertz had seven catches for 68 yards. So the Eagles, two tight ends in this football game, had over 200 yards receiving. They just gouged the Dolphins left and right. And as I said, had twice as many first downs as the Dolphins in this football game. But what made this game so memorable, aside of the fact that I was wearing a Can't Wake jersey at Lincoln Financial Field at a game in which the Dolphins came back from two touchdowns down to win by one point in the regular season, which was phenomenal. It was a fun walk out. I'll give Philly fans credit. Uh, they are passionate about their football team. It was the game-winning touchdown. So the Dolphins went down 16-3. to, 30, or 16 to 3. They managed to string together some points, 10 consecutive points in the second quarter, and then a scoreless third quarter. But they were knocking on the door. They're down inside the red zone at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, and Ryan Tannehill drops back to pass, and the ball's batted in the air. And it's batted straight up in the air. It probably went 25 yards north before it came anywhere else. And as this ball's tumbling down to the turf, you see the the sea of people collecting underneath of it, and Jarvis freaking Landry wins the jump ball for a touchdown reception on a tipped pass that went straight up in the air, had no business winning it. But he caught that football and came down, and from there on out, the Dolphins had knocked Sam Bradford out of the game. It was Mark Sanchez time, and they managed to hold off Mark Sanchez and win this football game, but the memorable piece of it was going down two scores, and then Jarvis Landry showing the stones that he had as a football player. Say what you will about his versatility as a player. The fact that he's so tough, he plays tough, He plays with a lot of heart, a lot of passion. I do admire that about him, even though I wish things would have turned out differently with the way that he saw himself out of Miami and on to Cleveland. Stop me if you've heard this before. The next game, number six on the list. The Dolphins fell behind by three scores in the first half of this football game. The date, October 15th, 2017. The 2-2 Miami Dolphins facing the 3-1 Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This is Adam Gase's squad. This is back when we thought we had something in Adam Gase because the Dolphins went on that super hot stretch to end 2016, and then they came out firing, and they won early in 2017 without Ryan Tannehill, mind you. This was Jay Cutler's team. Uh, 2-2 entering this football game, and they're down 17-0 at halftime. Again, another example of the Dolphins falling behind early. Uh, This wasn't necessarily a domination from the uh, Atlanta Falcons. The yardage discrepancy was only about 50 yards, uh, but the Dolphins only had 151 passing yards in this football game. Uh, they did have 34 minutes' time of possession, really kind of swung things back around. Uh, the Falcons got some explosive plays. They had a 40-yard touchdown pass from Matt Ryan in the first quarter, 50-yard field goal from Matt Bryant. Uh, they're down at halftime, 17-0. And, and then the Dolphins get two touchdowns, two passing touchdowns from Jay Cutler in the third quarter. One of those was a very, very pretty Schemed target to Jarvis Landry to pull the Dolphins back within three points. But what makes this game memorable? Two, four, two fourth-quarter field goals by Cody Parkey. Dolphins are leading 20-17. to And the Dolphins are going down the field. Or the, I'm sorry, the Falcons are going down the field. Potential game-winning score. They're in field goal territory to tie the football game. And the Dolphins get an interception by... Rashad Jones, old faithful, but he had an assist on the play from Cordrea Tankersley, who reached in on a ball in the middle of the field and tipped that ball up, and Rashad Jones in the middle of the field gobbled that thing up and sealed the win, Matt Ryan throwing an interception to lose the football game as time is whittling down in a two-minute drill when they were already in position to try and kick a game-time field goal. So the uh, exhilarating ups and downs being a theme of the Dolphins, it's, it's no wonder uh, th- this team has taken some years off of our lives, right? But the theme's going to continue. Number four, I was actually very surprised that this game came in at number four on the list. November thirteenth, 2016. Another game in this special run that the Dolphins had down the stretch to really turn the corner and make a run to the postseason. Uh, they didn't fall behind by three scores in this game, so that's good. This game was more of a back-and-forth affair. Uh, they are hosting, I'm sorry, they are on the road. They go west to San Diego to play the Chargers. Both of these teams at the time 4-4. Four and four, Very pivotal midseason game dolphins win the football game by a score of 31 to 24 what makes this game special well we had the back and forth pendulum swings as the dolphins climb back from a 10 nothing deficit to a 14 10 lead and then it's 17 to 10 or 17 to 14 san diego and then 21 17 miami and then 24 21 Chargers and then the Dolphins kick a 27-yard field goal with just over two minutes left in the game and you say here we go again they settled for a field goal they blew it but for all the grief you ever want to give Kiko Alonso for some of the plays him trying to tackle Josh Allen in the open field Kiko Alonso had an interception with one minute left in the game and he intercepted it on the Dolphins' 40-yard line. So again, Chargers in position to drive in, score points, whether that be a field goal or touchdown, and win the football game. Kiko Alonso has a pick six of Phillip Rivers, returns the ball 60 yards the other way to take a 24-24 game that looked like a surefire loss for the Dolphins and turn it into a win. The Dolphins, this was another game that the Dolphins really didn't have any business winning. Uh, the Chargers really bailed them out. The Dolphins had four forced turnovers of the Chargers in this game, despite the fact that the Chargers had 30 first downs and the Dolphins had 17. Dolphins lost time of possession battle by three minutes. Only 40% on their third downs. They had a, Dolphins had 11 penalties in this football game. Had no business winning the football game, but finding a way to do so. And for the first two years of Adam Gase's tenure with the Miami Dolphins, that was why I personally had the most hope. Because you could tell this team was outmanned. You could tell this team was was outgunned in a lot of instances. But the team didn't quit. And as soon as the team decided that they were done with Adam Gase and they quit for the last three games of 2018, it was over. But this was one of those special games early on that really impressed you with... The toughness, mentally, that the Dolphins displayed a back-and-forth affair, not a blowout turned into a comeback. The number four, this was a Christmas gift from the Miami Dolphins. 2014, we're really rolling to back the clock here. The Dolphins scored 23 fourth-quarter points to come back and beat the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 37 to 35 and moved to 8 and 7. And you said, "Wow, the Dolphins might make the playoffs." And then they went out and I believe they lost to the Jets the next week. A terrible Jets team had no business losing to and finished 8 and 800 Joe Philbin. But this score at the end of the third quarter was 17 to 14 Minnesota. Final score ended up being 37-35, and this was one of those super weird games where the Dolphins actually ended up winning this contest by merit of a safety with 41 seconds left in the game. So I'll walk you guys through. Uh, it's a 17-14 game. The first play of the fourth quarter, the Dolphins score a one-yard touchdown, 21-17. Blair Walsh with 10 minutes left kicks a 33-yard field goal twenty one twenty. 21-20. Mike Wallace, seven-yard touchdown pass, 28-20. Jerry's right. Now, this the, the everything from here on out is in the last five minutes of the game, four minutes and forty eight seconds. Jerry's right. Eight yard touchdown catch from Teddy Bridgewater. Two point conversion. The game is tied. The Dolphins have a turnover, and four minutes and 35 seconds. So 13 seconds later, Matt Asiata rushes in for a five yard touchdown. So in a span of 20 seconds, the Dolphins have blown an eight point lead and it has turned into a seven point deficit. One minute left in the football game. Damian Williams scores a three yard touchdown courtesy of Ryan Tannehill. Tie football game. 41 seconds left punt blocked by Terrence Fidé out of the end zone Safety, Dolphins win at home 37-35. Just a bonkers football game. Crazy game. But remember, these are the best games the Dolphins have played in five years. The the drama's going to get even worse. 2018, October 14th. Chicago Bears come to town. Come to Hard Rock Stadium. This is the uh, Kenyon drake redemption game. This is the Brock Osweiler game. This is Brock Osweiler throwing for 380 yards and three touchdowns against the best defense in football. This is the weird anomaly game that just doesn't make any sense at all. But the Dolphins to their credit, 541 yards. 36 minutes time of possession in an overtime victory. 31-28 to 28 over the Chicago Bears. Dolphins shut out the Bears in the first half, give up 21 third-quarter points. Albert Wilson in the fourth quarter has his big, two big scores. He had the 43-yard touchdown reception, and then he had the 75-yard short catch and run to make this a tied football game. And then the Dolphins uh, knocking on the doorstep to try and finish the game. Kenyon Drake fumbles the ball, loses possession on the goal line. Bears get the ball back. Bears miss a field goal. And then the Dolphins come down. And as time expires in overtime, Jason Sanders kicks a 47-yard field goal to win the football game 31-28. Crazy game. And for as bad as the season was at points last year, the Dolphins spoil us because we had this win, We had the Raiders win, which was weird. And we have one more win that we're not quite to yet. But before we get there, we have to talk about the other Christmas gift the Miami Dolphins have given us in the last five years. December 24th, 2016. Rex Ryan. The gift that keeps on giving. The Dolphins win. Final score, 34-31 in overtime. The other Jay Ajayi. Monster blowout game. 32 carries, 206 yards. This one looked a little dicey. we got to be honest. The Bills had 589 total yards of offense. They possessed the football for 40 minutes in this football game. And the Dolphins, for once in their life, nearly blew the lead. They had some explosive plays. They had a 45-yard touchdown run from Kenyon Drake. Early in the second quarter, 56-yard touchdown pass from Devon, or from Matt Moore to Devontae Parker. They're up uh, with 18 minutes left in the football game. They are up 28-14. Bills go down. Charles Clay touchdown. Dan Carpenter field goal. Tyrod Taylor touchdown. With a minute and 20 seconds left, the Bills, Tyrod Taylor to Charles Clay, take a 31-28 lead. And the Dolphins managed to get a 55-yard field goal with six seconds left in Buffalo to tie the football game and go to overtime, where Jay Jai rips off that monster run in overtime. I believe that was the 57-yard touch or the 57-yard run and put them in position to kick a or 27-yard field goal with 47 seconds left in overtime to move to 10 and five. The first time the Dolphins have touched double-digit wins since 2008 in eight seasons and effectively lock in a playoff spot. So a very, very special win uh, for the Dolphins because of the significance of how many wins they achieved on the season, putting them in position to return to the postseason, and then the J.H.I.E. blow-up and sweeping the Buffalo Bills, which is always, always a nice bonus. But of course, the number one game the Dolphins have treated us to over the last five years, is the Miami miracle. There was no other option. 34-33. This miracle 69-yard play with no time left on the clock after the Patriots had seemingly iced the game. They put the Dolphins' offense on ice in in the fourth quarter after the Dolphins scored 28 points through the first three quarters. And then Tannehill manages to get that pass off. We get the ball into Kenyon Drake's hands. We're off to the races, and Rob Gronkowski can't quite make it. Can't quite make the tackle. Touchdown. Dolphins win. 7-6 and six on the year. Wheels fall off the bus. That's not the point. The point is it's a very special win over the New England Patriots, a game that I will remember for the rest of my life. I'll remember where I was. I'll remember what I was doing. i remember my reaction, and I hope you do too. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Fin It to Win It. We'll be back again next week. We're going to get up some creative content over the course of the next couple weeks to kind of help fill the time until training camp starts. I want to wish you guys a very happy week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you hit subscribe. Check out everything else that Blue Wire has to offer. And I will talk with you guys again next week.